You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kibalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shabbat This is on principal challenges in Jewish education. I'm here with uh, my very good friend, Rabbi Yitzchok Adlerstein. Um, and Rabbi Yitzchok and I uh, are, are going to discuss today something which I think is close to both of our hearts. I had no idea, Rabbi Yitzchok, although it seems like a lot of the energy came from Rabbonim and Rosh Hashivas here on my side of the pond, but I had no idea that this had become a major issue of a, a new a safer, which I don't know how many years it's been on the market. It seems like it's this this is like a second edition of a safer, and it's called Shall Rashi, but really more than that, it's called Lipshuto Shall Mikra now. And I, I is it a is it a five volume set? I don't know. It's a five-volume set, uh, Ram, but it's two different works. The first work was Rashi Kipshuto, which is extremely popular. You see so many people riding buses, carrying it around as the way that they uh, engage the parsh every week. More recently, the, uh, the, the editors added uh, another section called Pshuto Shalmikra, uh, ostensibly to address primarily issues that Rashi had not addressed, since Rashi doesn't answer every question. They wrote something called Pshut HaShemikra, and lo and behold, they got banned. They got banned sort of on both sides of the Atlantic, although primarily on your side of the pond, not on, not on mine. Uh, so I'm looking at the Pashkavili that I only really glanced at this morning, and it's Das Torah, and I love it when you see Das Torah on the top of any Pashkavili, you know that, hmm, that this is, in other words, you might think differently, but you don't know what you're really supposed to think unless you hear this. And basically what it is, is telling you that re- it isn't meant to um, supplement Rashi. This Chumash, that's called the Pshuter Shomikra Chumash, which has Rashi in it, the Kavana is Begoli, it's not even a hidden Kavana, right? Lahomer Pirish Rashi. It's actually, although Rashi is there, and let's be honest, from the pages I saw of it, there is Biurim on Rashi. They do explain the Rashis, uh, similar to, I guess, the way you, you'll find in the Art Scroll uh, translations of Rashi. They go through each section uh, and, and, and use uh, connecting words and et cetera, uh, being malakit from, I guess, some of the, uh, the great commentaries of Rashi. But besides that, there is actually on the primary page before they get to Rashi, they have the Perushim al Pipshuto Shomikra, which, according to the ban, says that that part of the Sefer is there to push Rashi away, to actually uh, to eliminate Rashi, especially as the Sefer is written, I guess, in such a way that it's 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 a very easy, an accessible book with Seira Yisrael that it's going to push Rashi away from the Tzirah Yisrael, and all the Yisoyedah Samuna and Muri Atayra are built on Rashi, and there's also, besides the fact that Rashi will have to take a back seat now, if this Chumash becomes popular, Yesh Pirushim Mishunim Umuziyofim. There's Pshutim there, which are strange, and not only that, they are actually false. That it's not like you can find everybody knows some Bavusta Rashbam or Bavusta Ben Ezra. These are actually phony Perushim that 
what these perushim are about is the ruach shel haskola yeshboi. And of course, that word already, as we say in my neck of the woods, dems their fighting words, right? When you say the spirit of haskola, you're talking about Mendelssohn, you're talking about Shadal, you're talking about talking about Rival, you're talking about Yashar from Goritzia, about all those Mufarshe Hachumish in the 19th century, eight, end of the 18th, 19th century of Tolly Herz Wiesel, those are the Ruach of Askola, the Einobartikun Kwal, and they said, we're just the Benegodele Herz Israel, have already said they're against it, but here we are adding our are uh, to it, and again, as you say, let's mention the, I guess, an all-star list of Rosh Hashivas we have from Lakewood itself. It looks like there are four Rosh Hashivas from Lakewood: Rav Malkiel, Rav Olshin, Rav David Shustal, and Rav Naiman. Those four. Besides that, we have Zikan Rosh Hashiva from South Fallsburg, Rav Eli Bear, Rav Eli and then we have Rav David's brother. Was also there as well. And my old alma mater, of course, although he was never my Rosh Hashiva, you have Rav Aaron Feldman, along with various Poiskin in uh, Lakewood, uh, Rav Forsheimer and Rav Lieberman. One second, let's also add another voice that it's usually, and I love this person personally. I'm very, uh, I have a wonderful personal relationship with him, and I love speaking with him and learning. But we know that he is the, the, the voice of Kanoyas often in America, Rabbi Tzotzrotskin. So basically, every person that, that, that those already are, like you say, that's our side of the pond, including also you have Rabbi Yaakov Jolti, who I also happen, is he from Mir in, in America? I don't know. And Rav Aaron Zuckerman and Rav Chaim Yeruchen Ginsburg. So this is the, and, and again, part of what they want is to say it's the safer is Osra Wolve Bakal. And if you have it, and I hope I can find somebody, by the way, who's going to listen to this. So I hope I hope I, my neighbors who have it are going to listen to this. This way I'll be able to pick one up. Because as you pointed out off pod, these are now going like hotcakes for collectors. Get them out. And if anybody is doing you cannot put them on eBay either, I guess. You cannot, because you're being and you can't all if they're in farm stores, they need to be put out onto the dumpster. They cannot go in there. Wow, that is incredible. This is even worse than what we did with Chaim Walder. So I, I, you're making me very uncomfortable, Rob, because you gave this already so many more minutes than I would have devoted to it. I'd rather get into the issues. And what actually compelled some of the people to sign, if they sign. Today, you can't take anything on site and assume that a signature is a signature and that anybody was ever advised. I was told that there's actually a website where you can come up with your own ESER and it will automatically update it with, uh, with signatures of whichever gadolin you want. I wanted to go with, with the shocking and the, uh, the one that was, you know, the, the megaphone. But in the megaphone itself, for me, it's called, really lies, I think, the intent of what they see as dangerous, which is that... Rashi is now an alternative as opposed to primary. And as both of us know, 
as we all know, even from you know one of the people who sometimes are guilty of being an outlier, the Barbanel, from the Barbanel's Hakdoma, as we know, to Nevi'im Viksuvim, uh, the Barbanel, you know, he wrote the Radak, as you know, he takes the, the, the Radak for, for mentioning what, what does it mean, Tikkun Seifrim, right? And he says that Tikkun Seifrim means that these Psukim were lost to us and that they were, there, was a, there was a Shinui that happened later in order to be befarish them in a different way. And of course, the Abarbanel himself, as you know, of course, is never free from criticism. Ratzodik, in a number of places, I think he has a list where he talks about where all the Abarbanel's perushim are clearly anti-Chazal and, and, and go against. So, so I guess my point is, is that we both of us know, and it's no secret, that there's plenty of perushim from Rishonim, and let's not, and if I mention Ralbag, right, I want to put the Ralbag there, that are, are, are clearly Shalaykafi, uh, what we consider Ruach Hazal or Ruach Rashi, and they're all out there. What, what did this book do in your mind? This Pshutar Shomikra, what, what do you think it did better? Not, not in my mind, in their mind, it did a number of things. The two most important things that it did was to create the impression that Rashi, which is so beloved to us for excellent reasons, which we should take the time to talk about, that Rashi is now being subliminally associated with not Pshuto Shamik. It's sort of giving credence to the idea that you have in other parts of the community and leftist part of the modern Orthodox world that anytime you invoke a Gemara, like Rashi does so often, a Gemara or a Medrash, that that's art scroll Judaism. And we're out to liberate ourselves from art scroll Judaism. Uh, the, uh, the, the other point that, that, uh, that they're trying to make also with some good, with some good reason is that if you open the door, you give such easy access to the authors called Pshuto Shomikra, you're going to diminish the chances of Rashi being the primary educational tool for children. And Rashi has a coveted place. We put it on a pedestal for good reasons, perhaps for the very same reason Rashi himself wrote a Pirish that some of us in moments of candor would say is not so pshuto shamik. I recall once having personally asked Rav Yaakov Kamineski Zatzal, exactly where it was, at the ground floor of the elevator leading to the terrace on the park, or a chasana. And while we're waiting for the elevator to, to, to get down, I asked him a question about what to learn with a not-so-recent Balchuva, but someone who was now beginning to get into textual learning for the first time. What should we learn for, with such a person? And Rav Yaakov said, Chumish mit Ramban. And as we were all shocked, he said, he explained later why it wasn't halacha, which I thought was what he was going to say. And he said, Chumash with Ramban. And, he, and then he explained himself. He said, because rov gufe Torah are nichlalim in Pirish Ramban to Chumash, and 
He said, Ramban is Korov Lipshat, quote, unquote. Korov Lipshat, and that's important for adult Bali Juba. So he had the Gadol Hadar, who was, maybe we should ban his books also, which I think they did to his first edition. We could also frame it, even before Rabbi Yaakov, that in Shulchan Aruch, where Shnayim Mikra, which in the Gemara was Echad Targum, was based on the Rosh, and the Psak of the Rosh was extended to Rashi. And, and it wasn't just because of Psukim that there are, that Targum wasn't most of anything. By the time the Rosh was writing, in the beginning of the 14th century, the Peyush Rashi and Chumash had become so entrenched that it seemed to be a better, or at least an, a, 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 as much of an alternative, if not better, to a person having a knowledge in Chumash throughout the week to live with the parsha, as the Lubavitcher Rebbe said, but way before that. The point was that, that these parshios, by the time Shabbos came, you should have enough of the shlita that you know Tyrusha Shabbat and you basically know what it means through the Messiah. So when Rashi takes the place, or is now an adjunct uh, to Targum Munkulis, and I've seen this, by the way, in, in Paiskim, how about if somebody replaces Rashi with something else? How about if someone replaces Rashi with another beer? Now, it's interesting, there's, you know, if someone would, would, would ask, well, can I do Ebenezer? I think most people would say, you can't be Makai Shnai Mikra with Ebenezer. And, and, and there's a reason. Part of it is because the Ebenezer doesn't have the Gushpanka of the Rosh and others. The Ebenezer, often, uh, according to many, has illusions that perhaps would lead to the ban on the Ebenezer. You know what I'm saying? There, there, there are things in the Ebenezer which, which sort of like, is he saying what I think? Yeah, the, 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 the so Yudal of Psukim is not the reason why the Ebenezer make it to the same degree. I think you're ignoring one thing, not consciously, but I, I, I have to throw it in here. What did Rashi mean by those frustrating lines? Twice in 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 uh, Parsha's voracious, uh, I'm only here to be miyashe pshuto shal mikra, and all of us who've seen all of the others far, all the ones that you mentioned, say, "Huh, Rashi is the least likely to be called pshuto shal mikra." Rashi was not an unintelligent man. Rashi is is kadosh kadosh. Why did Rashi not really agree with his grandson, the Rashbam? Why was his Pshuto Shalmikra, Pshuto Shalmikra in his mind? So I heard this Hagdara years ago. You'll correct me if I have the wrong source. I thought it was from the Lubavitcher Rebbe's early Chibor on Rashi, where he said a number of very, very important things about the Matara. The objective of Rashi and Chumash. Oh, let, let me correct you right away. He never wrote a Chibur on Rashi, but a tremendous amount of the Kute Sichos was through Rashi. His Talmidim then realized they had a gold mine. And what they did was they issued, oh, let's take those parts of the Kute Sichos that are Biur and Rashi, and let's now put out Svarim where you could buy them as, and, that, and there's been two or three editions of that, but go ahead. Thank you for that. But the Hagdara that I heard was that Rashi was every bit as aware of the fact that many of his solutions were not as semantically tied into what we consider the plain meaning of the text 
as his later competitors. But Rashi was interested in solving semantic problems and problems of Havana. I think the Rebbe said the kind of question that an intelligent six-year-old would ask. But he was only interested in answers that would bring the reader into the mindset, into the universe, into the thinking of Chazal. Because Chazal is the way we approach anything. And we certainly approach Tanakh that way, and Mikra that way. We want to know how Chazal treated it, what lessons they thought could be derived from it, how they wanted us to view certain figures. Of course, we know there are other alternatives. And Rashi knew that too. And 85% of Rashi is citing Midrashim and Gemaras. Not original. He was interested, Dafka, in taking from Dafka that reservoir of material and answering the questions of Pshat that he was addressing. I always understood this a little bit different. And I'm saying correcting because we all know the places where Rashi will quote Menachem and Donash, and he'll talk about again, how this Pasuk is read, then he'll say, right? So we know that there is a lot of rolling up his sleeves and dealing with the Pshatova. However, here's the point. I've got to use the Medroshim. And since I want a person to be able, the six-year-old, the 60-year-old, and the 96-year-old, to basically still use my Sefer, what I like there to realize is that even the Midrashim I'm going to use, right? When he's like, right, like, like, like he says, the Midrashim I'm going to use are also ones that a easy bridge can be made from the Pshutashal Mikra to this Midrash. I am not going to necessarily introduce, which Rashi himself knew, Midrashim Amukim that it had, if we say Rashi was part of a Kabbalistic tradition or not, which there is a whole debate. Those will not make it onto the table. And the reason is, is because you're not going to be able to have the feast of a medrash that satisfies the Pshuta Shomikra desire, even though it mentions an idea which is miraculous or mentions something which has to do with things that are beyond the scope of human ken, because those medrashim, Lumas the other Midrashim, Lumas the ones that use the Midrash as just a halachic, a way to get into some halachic asmachta, uh, Rashi will not insert them there. For example, one of the ones that, that I always use in my own Midrashas, and I'm sure you do too, is where Rashi, like, right? So Rashi brings the gematria of what Bezois is, right? That Bezois is the gematria of and this is Mikta, this is a, based on a Vayikarabah, that this is the this is 410 years that Bayez Rishon was Oymeh, right? So one scratches their head when they see Rashi, this is Pshutish Mikra, right? But you only scratch your head until you take a look at them at Rashi's Mefarjim, who always come up with a reason, who come up with it with some kind of explanation of why there was a problem with the pushered reading of the text. And that's what Rasha was addressing. That's why I would, I would differ with you about the places where he quotes Donash and then says, hey, I have an excuse. I'm going to throw in a medrash. There was something about using Donash's approach that was somewhat unsatisfying to address. Right. 
but he wants his readers either kitargumai, he wants his readers to start there and then realize that these midrashim that I'm using are also part of my, I do want Lafarge Kritish Omikra. I think what he didn't want to happen is the dichotomy that exists in the Rashbam, where the Rashbam's parish of Shal Mikra ends up with, well, you don't really have to wear tefillin, right? Where we think you have to, right? Maybe you don't even have to even wear tefillin at all. Maybe it's just having it in your mind. The Rashbam was able to live in a world where no one was more aduk in the halachas of Teresh Shabalpeh than he was. Yet, when he would give his shear, so to speak, on Chumash, you would think that he was a Karite, right? And he was he was happy with that. And in fact, the Rashbam justifies it from Gemaras, where you see that the Chachamim themselves lived in two worlds. Uh, that was a world that I think maybe Rashi was aware of, but that's not what he wanted. Now, as many people have said, what about the Edus of the Rashbam? That if I could, I would write another parish. Does that really mean, first of all, that he would have jettisoned the one that... But would abandon the first one? Right? Abandon the first one. Not at all. I think you've got something. And maybe there does need to be for you people, and especially Rashi didn't call him Zach, that there would arise in Spain and in other places, groups of Jews that would basically only accept a certain Malach and would reject Tereshavopah. But he was happy what his grandson was doing. He was happy that his grandson was answering a need for people a need that he perhaps hadn't satisfied. Uh, well, let me just say one other thing in correction to what you're saying. The Ramban, as we know, in his beautiful introduction, calls Rashi the Minoira HaTahira, right? And with Eben Ezra, he talks about his Ava B'Techocha, right? And he talks about the fact that he has love, but you're going to see me very, I'm going to be attacked, I'm going to be in attack mode. As one of my mentors, Dr. Rabbi Abraham Lipschitz, Avram Lipschitz, who was a world expert in Eben Ezra, he wrote a classic work on Rabbeinu Bachi as well, pointed out to me, if you take a look and you make a list of how many times Ramban attacks Eben Ezra, to the amount of times Ramban dismisses Rashi, it's four or five times more. He dismisses Rashi five times as much. However, Rashi is still the Menorah HaTahirah. Rashi is still the, the first place to go. And, and even the way we argue, and as Rav Yaakov understood, suggest alternates, it's never to push the menorah down and extinguish it. It's to actually try to answer Rashi as best as possible, but also be ready with other perushim that will satisfy the reader in a way that, you know what, that Rashi was pretty good. I like this as well, and I have both in my cup. And, and that's what I think the Machrimim don't get. This Pshuto Shomikra Sefer is to me basically somebody who took the Teres Chaim or the Barilan beautiful Mikroyus Kadovas, which I recommend to everyone if you can get a hold of it. It's from the University of Tel Aviv, I believe. The Kesser version of the Mikroyus Kadovas I recommend to everyone has. The, the, with, it has the Maser Gedev, Maser Ektana, and all the Rishonim there, beautifully laid out, better even than the Tereskayim. You're not going to be a rejecter of Rashi. Rashi is the number one, but you're going to deepen your appreciation of, of, of all of these possible approaches. Including Rashi himself. And, and part of the reason is Rashi isn't just a Likut Medrashim. I think Rashi's, the Rashi's muscular parshanos gives him the justification 
to appreciate the Chazalim that he chooses to quote. The fact that he, he shows us that he is a Parshan of the greatest caliber means that his Midrashim that he introduces, many of them were very well known to his readers, also have a very firm place and are Midrashim that will enhance and give a greater appreciation even to Pshuto Shomikra. So I don't know. I, I told you I was seriously underwhelmed by this parish. Again, Rav Gottlieb, who was, I think, the, the head of, of Leshem, talks about the, the, the great Yerushamayim of everybody who worked on it, to Bidchilu, Berchimu, and it was like it was done like with Patyrus HaKadosh. Look, I, what I saw from the pages you sent me was a workmanlike restatement of basically a Likut of what different Mepharsha might say. Was it some sort of earth-shattering, we're going to try to puncture Chazal, we're here to bring back everything Mendelssohn wanted to bring back, or what Mendelssohn wanted to do? I mean, it really sounds like overkill. And, and I guess we're not going to talk tonight about how many Gedolim were subscribers to Mendelssohn's beer, and what Rav Yaakov himself said about Mendelssohn's beer. Well, I'll tell you one thing, though, that Ricky Vager had it. Ricky Vager had it in his house. And supposedly there was a bris of an enakul, and Ricky Vager had already nebuch was Now some soifer only lived past Ricky Vager, I think, by a year. So I think it was like after the Ricky Vager had died. So there was a bris. So there was either a drush need to be said or something. So they asked for the chumash, and they brought to the some soifer the Mendelssohn's beer, which was in Ricky Vager's bookshelf. His his father-in-law. And he said, no, no, shake us up, right? He didn't want to he didn't want to open it of some cipher. And they said, Oh. He was also a subscriber. You have to read the tradition article on whether the Hassam Sofa really rejected the beer or not. Well, well, well what they said was that the Schwert is genitzt. He said, Yeah, but this is euch It did make some sort of negative impression. I don't know where, Nurki Baker's children, I'm not sure. So again, some cipher, by the way, was one of the uh, names that was used by this Agudas Anche Emes, which uh, are really, if you want to know what's behind the Pashkabili, they have got an 84-page Kunturis in which they illustrate that this is a wolf in sheep's clothing. And the Chsam Soifer is quoted, as you saw very prominently, as, as saying, you must, you must begin and use almost specifically Rashi. Yeah, I, I think I'm not going to go through the 84 pages. I'm waiting for the six-minute YouTube. Look, I think both of us on the same page here, that this is something that seems to be a tremendous overreaction. I mean, you seem to think that the Sefer has a tremendous toyelis, this Pshuto Shomikro. I didn't say that. I think Pshuto Shomikro, not necessarily the Sefer, has tremendous toyelis, particularly in getting people to see why Chazal often said what they did because they found the Pshuto Shon Mikra worked, but only worked to a certain extent and left room for going the extra mile. I think it was none other than Robert Alter, not exactly in our machine, but who, who, who observed that, no, don't, don't write off Chazal, quite to the contrary. What Chazal were doing in their, in their early Midrashim was responding to, to textual problems. And yes, you can you can find partial solutions in Ibn Ezra and Rabag and Radak and all. 
but they always leave room. They still scratch your heads a little. And that's what Chazal was trying to do, starting from a firm understanding of Shutal Shemikra and saying there's still, you know, 20% of our interest is still unsatisfied. So where do we go with that? Why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu write a, give us a text in which it's so hard to find a plain meaning that really satisfies us? And then to say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu meant the text to be understood and appreciated and cherished on different levels. And Dafka left room in the way he enunciated, in the way he articulated things, that left room. As as opposed to the Haskola version, that it's the imagination of Darshanai Chazal, here is what I think we need to say, that all of these come, all these perushim, which we know are napshat, are really givuyim of incredible truths. And I think this gets us into the area that I know you love and that I, I, I think I share that love, which is Rebuta Loi, the Maral. Many people have asked me, what's the gateway safer for the Maral? Like, what's your gateway safer? We know the Maral for a beginner can seem overwhelming. You want to start with Tferis Yisrael, you want to start with Netzach Yisrael, you want to start with Gvuras. Those are difficult works. You don't routinely tell them that the Gateway Safer is my adaptation of Bear Hagola, available online from Artscroll? Again, most of the time. And again, Bear Hagola, of course, is it. I think what I usually tell people, there's two places to start. It's either start with Derechayim and Perkei Avos, or start with Gurari. And the reason is because there is a traditional way to do it. The Gurarye, of course, is Rashi, and the Derachayim is you got the you have the Mishnah, and you have in most of the editions you have a Rashi, ala Pirkei that's there, and therefore the Maral on Pirkei Ovis, so the Maral in in Gurarye, you you have the first steps that you take are going to be very similar to any other commentary on Pirkei Ovis or any other of the uh, all the commentaries in Rashi, especially the Mizrahi, that the Maral was so indebted to, although he, you know, he, he argues with them quite a bit. But we know the Maral, although he does his work with the Donashes and the Menachems and the Biurim, what really uh, gets the Maral going are the Midrashim that Rashi does decide to incorporate. And again, you might disagree, but I think what he's trying to do in some ways is not exactly what Rashi wanted. I think what Rashi wanted was to promote the Midrashim that jived enough with Pshutr Shomikra, and as you said, gave uh, another area. I think the Maral is happy that Rashi has entrenched himself like the Rosh understood, that all his readers are going to do Rashi. Here's my chance to do what I do best, the Maral thought, which is to show people the depth of every word of Chazal. I'm going to show them that how these what these Hoshinas mean. Yes, I'm going to, I'm never going to forget that I'm technically a portion of Rashi. But as we know, coming up, for example, one of the biggest morales in Bereshis is coming up, as you know, in Parshas by Yigash, by Shimon taking Dina. The morale is going to have a field day with these Medrosha, these Parshan, and these things that Rashi quotes. And he has enough discipline to stay within his role as a Mafarshan of Rashi. But what's really getting him going, and I think this is his contribution, is that 
go with the morale. He'll take care of the difficulties in Rashi, but he'll also introduce you and intoxicate you with his explanations of these Midrashim and Gemaras that Rashi quotes. And he'll, he'll show you how incredibly meduic every word is and how deep and fantastic Chazal are. In a way that even the Midrashim that Rashi doesn't quote and the Chazal Rashi doesn't quote, you know, aren't just the product of some fevered imagination of some Tana or Amoira, but they represent the wisdom of what we call Soydus Atayra, Malubish, in these phrases, correct? I mean, would you agree with what I'm saying, more or less? I would agree uh, and, and point out as evidence for it the numerous places where Morales will tell you that Rashi quoted one of three opinions and then cite the fuller citation of Chazal with all three opinions and then tell you what all three were about including the two that Rashi didn't choose. Which is, again, proving the point here that Rashi can be the gateway in the Maral's gate. I don't know if it's the gateway Rashi intended, but the Maral is, I think, a proof that you can go to alternatives and Rashi can lead you there. And maybe where Rashi should lead you is to the Pshuto Shomikra. Now that I did Rashi, okay, now let me do Rabbi Yosef Horshor. Let me try the Chizkuni. Let me see the others. You wonder, Rabbi Yitzchok, you know, when these bands come out, especially in the in the high ticket site, and we know we have the voices of Slifkin and others, doesn't it really undermine the significance of the Rabbonim now? You say it might not be that, but haven't we learned enough that in today's time, because I'm worried about, because I love those people, Baruch Hashem, I have a yachas with Rav Yitzchok, I have a yachas with Rav Feldman, and Baruch Hashem, I hate to see them becoming the, the subject of arrows of people saying, well, what are they doing over here? And so much is available. I mean, look, Rav Yitzchok, all you need to do is go up, as I said before, on the Alatayra website, and there you have a magnificent array of all the Mepharshim, from the Rishonim down to the Ksava Kabbalah, to, to the full edition of Rav David Tzvi Hoffman, with all the footnotes, and let me even tell you something, even, again, for all our listeners, you can get the beer of Shadal. And not only do you get the beer of Shadal there, you also have where Shadal references an article that he wrote in an Oscola journal. You can click on a link that will take you to some internet archive that you can find that journal there as well. So what I'm saying is, is that and, and you're right, maybe the people who are buying this Chumash have filters on their internet, and they're not able to access the internet. And that's what people, maybe that's what people are afraid of from where I'm coming from. It's almost like, yeah, of course, these are, it's not like we've discovered some sort of kryptonite that's now going to, you know, you know it's going to bring down the super edifice. Most of these Perushim are, are out there. And they, they're well-known, easily accessible. It's interesting to me that one of the criticisms I saw was that they ignored the Vayolan Shom in their Pshuto Shomikra, that instead of emphasizing what Chazal say, that Rashi quotes, that this is where he was alone, Yaakov. How could you forget about Yeshiva Shem Be'ever? How could you forget 
about that? How could you want students not to get that? So here's my answer to that. And, and, and I don't know if this is why they did it, but I'm not justifying it. I believe we've lost many people in uh, Eretz Stroll and here as to what that means, the intense asmoda of what it used to be. We have a tension deficit issue, especially because we want things quick and right now. And in the Hinami, I think for you and I, when we were growing up, we loved this idea of 14 years of us, right? Because really, although maybe your years were less, maybe yours were more, that in a way spoke to us as young people. We're sort of doing the shame behavior learning. We're not yet ready to go to school or get married. This is what it's about. And in reading that and seeing that about Feter Yaakov, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and say something. When I went to Marsa Machbeil a number of weeks ago, and I stood by Yaakov's tzir, that was my tefillah. My tefillah was that I should be able to go back to the type of asmad I had when I was younger. And I should be able to go into new areas with that same type of complete and total focused asmada that Yankov Avinu had. And then I, 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 I asked my Zayda Yankov, I asked him that he should allow Mike Phyllis to be Neskabel. That since he was the person who, who was a seminal for us of what it meant to be completely devoted to something to the point, they should allow me to come back. And I have to tell you that Five days after I got off the plane, I was invited to become part of a Chayshin Mishpat Kailo of Chesidish Yungalite, where Baruch Hashem embraced me and taken me in, and, and Baruch Hashem. So what's my point? Not just to tell my story, although I think it's cute. My point is, is that I understand that people will say, well, you didn't sleep. What? Right, right? There was a door that this spoke to. Unfortunately, our door I think maybe near to stroll they get it, but there's so many people here on our side of the pond that don't get it. That leads to a major educational issue, and I'm sorry we're not going to have time to discuss it because we've avoided the elephant in the room. But the issue then is, if people don't get it, what is the thrust then of Chinuch? You say, well, that's not where people are, and we have to write to them on their level. Or do you say, no, that is part of our chinuch, trying to take as much of it and impart it in ways that are acceptable to the to, to a change door, but without losing the primacy of the message. The elephant in the room is that lots of people have given up on that entirely. And that's where the macharimim, as much as I hate charamim, except I wish that some of my svarim would be in charim because they would be better, Tried to get on uh, Tuvia's banned books shelf, which I understand is very, very popular back in the old days in Muncie. Nice shout out to Tuvia Rothberg's, Tuvia's farm store. A wonderful friend of mine. So maybe you can get my farm on your shelf. I could use the extra income. But there, there are people who have given up on that. And that's what we haven't discussed tonight. And we're going to have to come back some other time to discuss it. Because the real danger, the thing that they should have taken a harder look at, were the places and people and Torah educators, mostly on my side of the pond, who are into Pshuto Shel Mikra 
as, genuinely as a way of unseating Chazal. They'll pay lip service to it, but the ones who are really losing out are the kids in the classroom. Because when you have teachers who themselves don't see the beauty of Rashi and therefore Chazal, and are much more interested in showing the chiastic structure and different uh, different psukim, and that's what turns them on, you're going to educate a that is lukewarm in their appreciation of Torah, Shabbat, Halacha, and everything else in between. And there they would have good reason to call out certain places and certain people, and maybe we'll come back and talk about them. And let me just say one last thing. Part of it, of course, is the uh, culturalization to what's considered modern teaching techniques. The idea was, if you're going to teach Mikra, teach it in a literary dissecting the structure. They think that's what works. And because of that, they end up adopting a, a more, as you say, traditional Mikra, because this way, at least, our students know the Mikra and they know uh, the Hoive from the Osid, they know the Shoirish, and they know the words in a way that they feel goes into their bones. But as you say, it doesn't necessarily go into their souls. It doesn't necessarily permeate there. And that's, I think, an about, but like you say, the genie's out of the bottle. And, and maybe let's be Malamed Slus on the Pshutoshal Mikra, that outfit, Leshem, that that's what they were trying in a way to sort of, you know, perhaps stave off. And what's done them you know, that this is what they meant to do. You mean they were going to do it because they were sticking to traditional sources. Every one of the sources that they used was somebody whose souls were on fire with the Kedusha of Chazal. So those had to be kosher sources. Masha and other people doing the same thing under the same rubric were not doing that at that all. might be another reason why a sophisticated version and again, like I said, I haven't seen the whole book, might be an Eitzah for the, the as you say, the Eretz Yisrael Dekamachanachim from the Mizrahi and others who feel that this is the only way they can teach Chumash, and this is the only way they can teach Nach, because otherwise we're going to lose people because of that type of rejection. Well, Rabbi Yitzhak, I'll try to get you banned. I think uh, if people realize that you're part of my uh, the pantheon of the Yeshiva of Newark, Darshanim, and speakers, yeah, you might be guilty by association through others, and hopefully you'll get up there, and uh, you know, your books are going to be uh, selling like hotcakes. So. Um, I'm glad to, to sit beside you in Satan's synagogue, as Martin Luther used to call it. <laughs> All right. Take care, my friend. We'll catch you back then. Keep on enjoying your, your weekly involvement in all of our shapshot. Take care, my friend. Be well. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.